Armed American Radio listeners, today's Armed American Radio's recorded version of the national radio broadcast, the Armed American Radio podcast, is being brought to you today and every day by North American Arms. Make sure to visit NorthAmericanArms.com for the finest mini revolvers on planet Earth. NorthAmericanArms.com. Enjoy the show. is Armed American Radio. If they want to take my guns, they're going to have to bring a station wagon and a whole lot of friends because I'm not giving them anything. From the Car Firearms Group studio. On the Sig Sauer Platinum Microphone. Mark, we know they want to take our guns, and now we're going to make them eat it. Freedom might be an uphill battle sometimes, but freedom will always prevail. Proudly presented to you by X-Insurance. X-Insurance. Here is your host of Armed American Radio, the loudest conservative voice in America fighting for your rights, Mark Walters. 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 And here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome inside Armed American Radio Ranch's Sig Sauer Studios. Mark Walters in front of oh, it's Sig Sauer Studios. It's not the Sig Sauer Studios today, Greg. You got me all screwed up here. It's a Sunday, baby. It's the Car Firearms Group Studios. Sig Sauer Mike lit up for you today. I am Mark Walters, filling your prescription for freedom today and every day. Welcome inside. Greg in Dallas, Texas, how you doing today, brother? I am freezing my butt off. What's temperature there, like minus something? <laughs> it feels like it. We're looking at 16 degrees currently. Wow, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm not sure if we have uh, issues. If you're watching the show, we might have some audio issues. I'm not sure about that. We'll test it during the break. Uh, it looks like the meters are bouncing in the background when they shouldn't be. And I'm not sure why that's doing that. But in the meantime, this is a huge national radio program. So we're going to get started right now with the great Alan Gottlieb, founder of the Second Amendment Foundation. But, Greg, before we do that, we tell people where they can go get involved in the chat and check out the video and all that good stuff before we get cranking? Uh, sure. Quickly, if you'd like to watch the show, just head on over to armedamericanradio.org or .com. On the right-hand side of that website you'll, website, you'll see the menu icon. Just give it a click. You'll see the watch live option, listen live option. And the podcast link, if you'd like to join our live chat, just head on over to your app store, grab the Telegram messaging app, create your profile, and search for Armed American Radio Conversations. Yeah, and that'll do it. Alan Gottlieb, founder of the Second Amendment Foundation. How are you today, my friend? Cold. It's cold all over the place. It's, it's below freezing <laughs> in Seattle, which is highly unusual. Yeah, is it below freezing in Seattle today right now? Oh, yes. <laughs> That's cold. Yeah, I, I know I don't watch a lot of NFL football anymore. I, in fact, I watch none of it. But I know that game they played yesterday was in negative numbers. And, man, that's brutal stuff. Alan, I'm going to start this with you today by saying happy anniversary, I guess. We're looking at 50 years now of Second Amendment Foundation, aren't we? Yeah, it's really been a great ride. We've, we've accomplished an awful lot. We've helped protect gun rights tremendously. Um, and uh, I, I'm just really ecstatic. Uh, we've got a great new 50th anniversary logo uh, for the year and a whole lot of events planned out, uh, and uh, it's going to be an exciting year. So I want to get a little nostalgic with you if I can. I figured this would be a really good day to do it because 50 years, Alan, is a long time to be doing anything, quite frankly. I think we would all agree. 50 years, you, your marriage lasts 50, lasts 50 years. That's a long time. It's a, it's, a, it's a huge chunk of your life because I happen to know how old you are. It's three-quarters of your life. So let's go back to the beginning, Alan. Let's go pre-Second Amendment. It's hard for me to imagine pre-Second Amendment foundation 
and fighting for gun rights. Tell me how this all got started. I think my listeners will find this story fascinating. Well, I actually started out as chairman for the Citizens Committee for the Right to Keep and Bear Arms in 1972. And I founded the foundation in 1974 with a view ahead of eventually trying to get a case to the United States Supreme Court. And back then, the landscape was pretty bleak. Uh, there was really only one major case that dealt with the right to keep their arms as an individual right. And it wasn't a federal case. It was a state case in the state of Oregon. And it didn't involve a gun. It involved a knife. And it came, it came about under the state constitution of Oregon for the individual right to protect, you know, the right to keep their arms under the Oregon constitution. Uh, and that's all that was there. And so we set out a path on how to build a foundation to get law review articles written, to get scholarly work done in, in, in intellectual journals, to build some case stuff so that we could eventually, you know, move up the ladder. And the game plan was to get a case to the Supreme Court. And, of course, we've all got more than one there now. Um, and so it's been quite successful. So when what brought it from when you go from the committee to the Second Amendment Foundation, was it your vision to wind up in the courtrooms? Was it your vision? Did you, did you actually have an idea that at some point down the road, the Second Amendment Foundation would be the organization that's winning 85%? That is about the number right now. Correct me if I'm wrong. But winning about 85% of the pro-gun rights legislation in courtrooms across the country. Did you ever really envision that? That much, no. But I did envision court action and did envision getting a case to the Supreme Court. Of course, that part was the second part. There was a pipe dream to some extent, but we started out holding legal scholars conferences at various universities, like Boston University and University of Arizona, to help build a foundation to get things that need to be researched and written, so that you could have citations. So if you file a court case, you, you could cite something. Uh, and uh, we've spent many years in the vineyard doing that. And, and our first major case, which I like to point to, was actually a ban on the sale of handguns in New Haven, Connecticut. Wow. And that case, that case, we didn't sue under Second Amendment grounds because it wasn't ripe yet, but we sued under the state preemption uh, statute under the state constitution and got a judge to declare it unconstitutional. So the headlines in all the papers were, you know, gun sale on, ban on sale of handguns and Connecticut ruled unconstitutional. Nobody paid attention, at, you know, on what grounds it got ruled on, but it made a lot of headlines and it showed judges you could rule in favor of gun rights. And our second biggest foray was against the city of San Francisco that outright banned handgun ownership. And we sued again, not on Second Amendment grounds, but on the state preemption grounds in the state of California. And we actually, that case went all the way up to the state Supreme Court, but we won unanimously in a California state Supreme Court, which is amazing. Um, <laughs> and, and so we started building the foundation that way. What was the lay of the land like back then? Because, you know, it, it was 87 when Florida gave us what we now know to be the modern permit process. But people had permits back then. The lay of the land was entirely different. Yeah. What did it look like compared yeah. to today? First, first, I want to say that that's not exactly accurate. Florida gets sort of like known for it, but it really started in Washington State, and Florida copied Washington State's uh, you know, uh, you know, you know, law with that. So the truth is the modern start really started in Washington State, not wow. in Florida. Uh, and, and spread fairly rapidly. I did not know that. So, yeah, why? Uh, well, let me ask you this question. Why does Florida get the credit for that then? Washington then seems big, to be the redheaded stepchild. 
Well, it's it's a big it was a big state, and the anti-gun movement was a little more solidified by the time Florida came on board, and so the media went crazy with Florida and didn't realize that it already happened someplace else. And that was 1987, and the foundation had already been in existence for a while. But nonetheless, the change, the yeah. landscape across the country. Go ahead. You want to say something? Please do. Yeah, yeah. Well, the Washington State concealed carry law that, that got passed in Florida, modeled after, uh, was done in the early '80s, and it was actually the Citizens Committee for the Right to Keep Their Arms that deserves the credit for that. Okay. And what would you say? Oh, gosh, this is probably a maybe an unfair question, maybe a loaded question, pun intended, because the foundation has done so much. But what would you point to if somebody said point to the single biggest victory the SAF has scored over all of these years? Well, I think that would be easy for me. I'd say it was the lawsuit McDonald versus Chicago that went all the way to the Supreme Court that knocked out Chicago's ban on handguns. But the more important part was it incorporated the Second Amendment through the 14th Amendment, making it applicable to all the states, which is why everybody else that's now filed suit against the state law is able to do it. The Second Amendment Foundation did not win that case at the U.S. Supreme Court. None of these cases can be brought in the future against any state. The gun ban movement back then compared to today, how was it? Uh, back then, you had a number of you know, elected officials that were, you know, that were the, beating the drums, so to speak, just like today. And you had a, a national media that was you know, crazily anti-gun as well. But what you didn't have is the institutionalized uh, anti-gun movement with boots on the ground and money and the Bloombergs and sources of the world that have built an infrastructure to, to work against us every single day, every minute of the day. That didn't exist back then. So I, I, would, I guess you would agree with me on this point before we go to a break that we were far ahead in the gun rights movement as far as organizing than the gun banners could have ever imagined because they likely were not near as organized as they are today. Organizationally, yeah, but the media was very, you know, obnoxious to us back then. I mean, the New York Times, the Washington Post, there was a time the Washington Post ran, I think it was over 100 straight days in a row of anti-gun editorials. Wow, no so, kidding. Yeah, the media took it amongst themselves. There's an excellent book out by Robert Kukla called Gun Control. It outlines back in the uh, 60s and 70s what we really were up against. Uh, and it was mostly the media, believe it or not. Alan, when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation. Don't go away, ladies and gentlemen. We've got one more segment with Alan Gottlieb, founder of the Second Amendment Foundation. Defense firearms are guaranteed for life, trusted worldwide, and designed, engineered, and manufactured right here in America. Daniel Defense, freedom, passion, precision. Yes, Daniel Defense does represent freedom, passion, precision. Welcome back to AAR Ranch, the Georgia Ranch, here in the Car Firearms Group studios. Mark Walters, 
sitting in front of this powerful Sig Sauer platinum microphone. All of this today and every day, six days a week, is being brought to you by the great X Insurance. Those of you who like to watch the video stream, we are going to work on what's causing that audio loop during a break. We'll see if we can bring that back to you as soon as possible. In the meantime, you've got us on radio stations around the nation. Welcome back to the program. We're talking with the great Alan Gottlieb, founder of the Second Amendment Foundation. 50 years in right now. It's a remarkable feat, ladies and gentlemen. Remarkable. If you're not a member, ask yourself why. An annual membership is only $15, and you hear Alan on the program virtually every week talking about victory after victory after victory. It has never been more important than it is right now today to become a member of the Second Amendment Foundation. Like me, you can become a life member for only only $150, a life membership. Of course, you can donate whatever you can, whenever you want. We appreciate that very much. You can do all of these things by visiting saf.org. Alan Gottlieb, welcome back, my friend. It's always great to be with you and your listeners, Mark. It's my highlight of my week. They love you. That's the highlight of their week and my week as well, because we all of us learn so much when we talk with you every single week. Alan, I'll let you wrap up the 50 years, tell people what they need to know, and then we'll cover a couple current event stories with you. Well, I'm getting closer to being long in the tooth in my retirement age, and we brought on this past year a whole bunch of new employees to the next generation, so to speak, in particular Adam Kraut as executive director, and I'm, I'm, our new group of people are, are really going to take us to the next to the, to the century mark without a problem, and I'm really looking forward to, to, to our expanded activities that you're going to see starting this year. And they're wonderful people, every single one of them, ladies and gentlemen. I know them all. It's an honor and a privilege. And Alan is absolutely correct. The organization is only going to get bigger and stronger. And, you know, while we're on the subject of the organization, Gun Rights Policy Conference, new information is out this week, is going to be held last week of September where? Last week of September, I think it's the twenty around the 27th of September in San Diego, California, at the Marriott Mission Valley Hotel. Uh, we're taking taking it to the enemy. We're going to we're going back. We're going to win back California. That's a bold statement. I have to tell you, but I'll tell you what. That, ladies and gentlemen, it's that vision that makes this organization so successful. Our goal is to win back California, and we are doing it using the slogan and the motto from SAF: "One lawsuit at a time." Alan, uh, Pennsylvania, I believe, is where I want to go with you right now. Next, but we've got. Is it, uh, yeah, the, oh, I'm sorry, California, preliminary injunction motion in the gun store surveillance case. That's it. I, I misread that as Pennsylvania. What's going on in that case? Everybody's being videotaped. If you're buying a gun in California, what's happening there? Well, not yet, uh, but, but, but it's planned to be happening. Uh, and again, you were talking about, you know, win, winning rights back one lawsuit at a time in California. I think we have 15 or 16 lawsuits in California at one time. And of course, we've already once at the lower court levels, we've knocked out the assault and ban, which they're appealing. We've knocked out their magazine capacity ban, which they're appealing. We've knocked out, you know, uh, their ban on advertising uh, firearms, which they're appealing. We've knocked out their 18 to 20 year old young adults from being able to, you know, purchase firearms. Uh, they're appealing that. Uh, so a lot of these cases we, we got a good start on and, and, and we're rolling one of the other ones. This is new one they passed uh, that uh, mandates that gun stores have a camera system to mo- monitor every sale and everything that goes on and record every conversation going on you know, in the store uh, and keep posterity so the state of California can have their hands on it. Uh, which violates everybody's right of privacy. Uh, and if you're a small dealer, you probably can't afford 
to put the kind of system in that the state wants you to put in. If you're an FFL who deals from your own home and asks you to come into your kitchen, you're dealing with your kitchen table, selling them a gun, uh, it, it, it creates a real big problem to you know, put small dealers out of business. And that's what they're trying to do is they can't buy a gun. That, that's they found a way around and sends on your gun rights. You can't buy one, you can't own one, and you can't use one for self-defense. Uh, and so we just filed a, a response to their motion to try and, and stop a preliminary injunction on it. Uh, and we're litigating that one in federal court right now. Alan, are, are, criminals, are criminals buying guns in gun shops for the most part in California? Of course not. What is it they, again, almost rhetorical, but what is it they're trying to accomplish with this? They're trying to put every roadblock they can put in place to make it hard to sell guns, put gun dealers out of business, so there's no, no way to place to buy guns or ammunition. Uh, you know, they're very creative in California. And, of course, with starts in California, you tend to see going across the country. Cree, there's that word again, Alan, creative. <laughs> the creativity from these people, it knows no boundaries. Data. This report was unbelievable. I had the opportunity to speak with John Lott about this last week. We'll bring him back next week, ladies and gentlemen, to wrap up the conversation. But the Gun Violence Archive data report that showed 2023 produced fewer homicides, suicides, and gun. And they didn't they didn't really state it this way. But the GVA archive data that they put out actually shows more guns equals less crime, Alan, doesn't it? It sure does. And what, what, what calls me the most, of course, is the anti-gun media. Anytime they can use the gun violence archive to show how many mass murders there were or crime is being bad or whatever it might be, you know, they, they use that as their source and their resources like it's all factual and, and there's no, you know, you, you take, take it as the gospel. But when that data turns around and shows that, quote, unquote, gun crimes are down uh, and that in the same time there are more people carrying concealed firearms for self-protection, dead silence they totally ignore it so that's why the citizens committee for the right to keep bare arms as we put out a release on that the uh, the odd silence is just it, it's deafening uh i mean and that's basically you know, all that chicken little proje- projections that they put out there about how crime was going to store and go crazy because there's more people carrying because we have constitutional carry in various states now you don't need a permit to carry well guess what it backfired on them but they, 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 now they don't want to talk about the data it's their own data, and they don't want to talk about it. And, you know, Alan, I've said this frequently, but I, I personally believe, and I could be wrong here, but I, I believe, it's just, just my opinion, that the fake information that's coming from the gun violence archives is eventually going to backfire on the anti-gun establishment and the media because of the numbers they're using. They're not talking about where they're getting the numbers from, and eventually that will become clearer and clearer and clearer. So, yeah, well, we'll Mark, wait. Mark, yeah, let me say that's the case for sure. And they're talking about, you know, mass shootings because they right. use a different definition for mass shootings. However, this data is about guns and crime across the board using the data that they've gotten from the federal government in various states. And that shows, in fact, that gun crime is down, not up. At the same time, more people own guns and more people are carrying firearms for self-protection. That's why they won't talk about it. And we also have new data, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be talking with AWR Hawkins later. More guns manufactured in the United States since Biden has taken office and more gun ownership in the United States. What Alan just said is absolutely true as gun ownership continues to rise. Uh, continues to rise. Alan, very quickly, we've only got 30 seconds. This is from Governor Grisham in New Mexico. The constitutionality questions are beginning to be very complicated in the arena of gun violence. Whew. 
Yeah, well, she, she again is pushing everything she can to push unconstitutional measures that she knows are unconstitutional. And in my opinion, Mark, when, when you shred the Constitution, that's the ultimate form of insurrection. Perfect place to end it. Alan Gottlieb, founder, Second Amendment Foundation. Thank you, sir, for everything that you do. Ladies and gentlemen, join us. SAF.org. SAF.org. Thank you, Alan, for everything that you've been doing for the last 50 years and taking us into the future. We'll be back right after this. of reason on kqam wichita's big talker and you're tuned into the armed american radio network now let's get back to the man himself mark walters ah welcome back inside the armed american radio ranch car firearms group studios mark walters filling your prescription for freedom today and every day here in this hour of the broadcast or this show the sunday monster cast in front of the six hour powerful and platinum microphone remember it's all being brought to you by the great X insurance, please go out of your way to support all of our partners. You can find them all at armedamericanradio.com. Build your goat guns, goatguns.com. Get some firewood. It's cold out in a lot of places in the country right now. Cuttingedgefirewood.com has you covered. Defender Coffee will keep you warm. Defendercoffee.com. Did you know you could build a fire, drink coffee, and support the Second Amendment at the same time? That's how the equation works, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back in. Next, Rebecca Schmo. Kansas State Representative, District 59, Republican, fighting for the Second Amendment. We're going to cover all fronts. Rebecca, welcome to the program. It is an honor and a privilege to have you here today. Thanks for being here on short notice today, by the way. Well, hey, thank you. And I appreciate the opportunity to kind of explain what we've got going on via Second Amendment or Section 4 in the Kansas Constitution. Let's talk about the Kansas Constitution and Section 4, because I was talking with Andy Hoosier, a good friend of both of ours. Andy sits in for me uh, a lot when I'm out or traveling and, and likely will be next week when I'm out. But he, he mentioned to me that you have new legislation pending. You've written new legislation. Would you tell us what's happening in Kansas now and fill America in on what's happening in the heartland? Absolutely. Um, okay, so just this last week, we had our first week of this legislative session. And we actually announced that we are going to be running a constitutional amendment. And I was um, I had the opportunity to go to the well and explain that and ask for um, co-signers on this, uh, like co-sponsors on this particular amendment. What this amendment does is Kansas Constitution Section 4 mirrors or mimics our federal level second amendment. So we're talking gun rights. What this one does is it clarifies language really specifically the use and possession of ammunition, firearms, accessories, and firearms components. We are also adding in the the terminology from the federal level shall not be infringed because that is not currently in our Kansas constitution And we are adding in that any restriction of such a right shall be subject to the strict scrutiny standard, meaning that any attempt or to restrict or remove this right 
would be assumed to be infringement, and the state would then be on the hook for providing compelling reason or interest, making it absolutely essential and not just a preference for the restriction or removal of our natural rights. So we are really trying to define what it means when we say we have the right to keep and bear arms. You know, it's, as, as you're talking, I, I looked over earlier today the individual right to bear arms clause in the Kansas State Constitution, and it appears to be fairly strong. But it's interesting to me how it, you know, again, ladies and gentlemen, the enemies of freedom continue to hack at us every single day. You heard Alan Gottlieb in the previous couple segments. That word creative keeps coming up. They get more creative every single day in their efforts and attempts to thwart the constitutional right to bear arms. Let's read Kansas. So, ladies and gentlemen, you hear it. Many of you in states that you live in don't have a right to bear arms as strong as this, but it always needs fixed. Individual right to bear arms. Armies. A person has the right to keep and bear arms for the defense of self, family, home, and state, for lawful hunting and recreational use, and for any other lawful purpose. But standing armies in time of peace are dangerous to liberty and shall not be tolerated, and the military shall be in strict subordination to the civil power. This is missing a lot, Rebecca. Yes, which is why we are going in and clarifying um, you would think that in the state of Kansas, we we really do have strong protection for Second Amendment rights. Um, unfortunately, we also have legislators, just like everywhere else, that are actively in pursuit of restricting those rights. Um, Kamala Harris in December <laughs> hosted that Learn How to Infringe at the State Level Summit, and we had four of our legislators from Kansas go, three House reps and a state senator. And so they are actively pursuing restricting our rights, and so we must actively protect them. It's always a Democrat, isn't it? (laughs) I put a tweet out at about midnight last night. I could not help myself. When I saw what some of the Democrats were doing across the country, it's always a Democrat. It never fails, ladies and gentlemen. Is there anybody that you want to call out as far as what they're trying to do in Kansas now that needs to be called out, that people need to know about relative to who might be in what district in Kansas that's fighting to take away your rights in Kansas? Honestly, after what we went through last year when I ran the legislation on the House side to remove our constitutional or concealed carry fees. So we are a constitutional carry state, and we were still having to pay for the privilege of having the concealed carry license if we wanted to get And So I ran legislation last year, and we won that um, for state fee removal. But given the amount of pushback that we got across the board from Democrats, it was it was substantial. Even though some of them ended up voting for the legislation after it was explained to them ad nauseum that we already have these rights, we're just putting a, a tax on these people who choose to go through all of the steps that you want them to go through. Right. Several of them finally did come around and vote for it, but it was it was pulling teeth, and it really did fall party line. Um, it was 
it was interesting to watch and not surprising at all. So it was it to try to call one or two out. It's you know how it goes. They run in packs. They are very well organized, which is why when we've got four Kansas legislators that are going to learn how to infringe on your rights at the D.C. level and bring it back home to Kansas using taxpayer money to learn mm-hmm. how to do these things, um, <laughs> that you, know, you really have to assume that they, they're all going to be reading from the same script at the same time. What do, you, do you get a sense? Let me, put, let me rephrase it. What sense are you getting? Well, what appetite is there for this fix? In Article Four, are, are you getting positive responses from constituents across the across the state on this? I hope you are. Oh, absolutely! Um, it has been overwhelming. As soon as we announced that we were looking for co-sponsors for this legislation, since it is a constitutional amendment, we have to have two thirds of the vote, both in the House and the Senate, just to get it on the ballot, so that Kansans can have a voice on this. And so as soon as it was announced that we were looking for co-sponsors, emails started flooding in um, to all all representatives across the board, telling them that they wanted their legislator to give them the opportunity. And quite frankly, that's where I stand on this, is that Kansans don't need gatekeepers. If we are talking about what our constitution, our state constitution says, they deserve to have their own voice. They need their representative and their senator to move out of the way so that they can have their own voice on this. And if they choose, once it gets to the ballot, if they choose that they want to clarify that language that protects ammunition components and accessories and places the strict scrutiny standard, on this, then that's great. If it gets on the ballot and they vote against it, if it comes a no vote, then our constitution is not changed. Representative Rebecca Schmo, District 59, Republican from Kansas. KQAM listeners, you're tuned in. You're also tuned in on a number of other stations in the state. I hope you're paying careful attention. One more segment. We're going to talk about one million moms against gun control. And I'm going to ask Rebecca the question, why do they want our guns? We'll be right back. Gallagher wanting to let you know that the crew of the Desperado Sport Fish in Virginia Beach, Virginia supports Armed American Radio and the Second Amendment, and I'm right there with them. Now back to Mark Walters. Well, welcome back. That's the great Mike Gallagher. You can listen to Mike Gallagher every morning, 9 to noon Eastern, 6 to 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Mike Gallagher show. He's great, and we love him for supporting this show for so many years, and we appreciate the rejoiner. Make sure to give him a listen if you want great information. You'll get it from Mike Gallagher every single day of the week, Monday through Friday, Salem Radio Network. Mark Walters here in the Car Firearms Group studios in front of the six-hour platinum microphone. X-Insurance presenting all of it. Let's continue the conversation with Representative Rebecca Schmo, District 59 Republican in Kansas. Rebecca, welcome back. Let me Before I go into um, one million moms against gun control, et cetera, the state of politics today in America, talking to a politician, I've got to get this answer from you. How? Are you as cynical and upset about the state of politics in this country today as many of us are, including this host right here? 
I wish that I could be upbeat and uh, answer that question optimistically, but I am absolutely cynical. That's literally the reason why I ran for office. I tell people all the time that I hate government. That's why I became government. (laughs) Isn't that that crazy? (laughs) It is. It it really is. It's it's, it's ironic. You know, the, the, the CEO of X Insurance, who sponsors this show every week, has a podcast as a CEO and owner and founder of, a, of, of the insurance company called the I Hate Insurance Podcast. <laughs> uh, it's, it's kind of the same thing. And that's because there are things that need to be fixed, and we all know that. And the reason I ask you that question is to ask you this question. The state of Democrat-run cities, I'm hard on Democrats across the country, particularly when it comes to gun rights, but we see our cities crumbling across the nation. I need to look no further than Chicago, just north of you where I, I've, I've covered tens of thousands of shootings, murders in Chicago 15 years over the airwaves. Tens of thousands. Nothing gets done about it, but they blame us, law-abiding people. We see what they're doing through our cities across the country. We see what they're doing to the country as a whole. Open borders, we don't have time to get into all that. That's a whole different show for a different program. But nonetheless, they're still trying to take my guns. Why? What is it about their agenda that requires me disarmed? I think we all know the answer to that. I think that (laughs) that was outlined in the Declaration of Independence. Um, I think that primarily speaking, there are a lot of well-intentioned, absolutely ignorant people out there who really do want to be perceived as being nice and being good And they think that that has something to do with selling off their sovereignty for a pseudo safety. And unfortunately, the rest of us live in the real world understand that our safety comes from our individual liberty, which is coupled with personal responsibility. And without those things, we will never be safe. So we, We're in their have, way. we want the same thing. We just have very different ways of going about it. And then you have the people who prey on the ignorant. We're in their way. Uh, absolutely, we are. And we should be. And let's hope we stay there. <laughs> That's the goal. One million moms against gun control. Are you prepared to protect? I love this website. One million moms against gun control. The mission is pretty clear. Empowering women to effectively protect themselves and their families by reaffirming that the Second Amendment right to bear arms shall not be infringed and that any attempt to do so is unacceptable. Educating all interested individuals on the importance of properly and safely handling firearms. Keeping voters informed about legislative efforts on the state and federal level regarding the use, sale, transfer, regulation, and ownership of firearms. And finally, by providing a counter-argument to the gun control movement, utilizing data and research to refute emotion and political agendas. That one right there, I think, is absolutely key. Are you progressing in this movement when you are up against, as I'll just call it like it is, the Democrats who want to take our guns because they're the ones that aren't listening? We actually, um, One Million Moms Against Gun Control was the original counter voice to the red shirt demanding mommies, the Bloomberg-funded moms. And so as soon as they came on scene, One Million Moms Against Gun Control was founded, and we became the original voice against them. And so in that regard, we are seeing a huge uptick of women firearms uh, owners, women firearms instructors, and people just taking up space 
in the Second Amendment community who are interested in actively in pursuit of making sure that women are represented and not really not just women. The optics of Second Amendment has changed entirely. We're seeing more um, across the board. We're seeing we're seeing um, the like the Pew Pew Jew has mm-hmm. a huge following uh, that we didn't see before. We have we have people of every demographic who have stepped up into the light. Um, let's see, Tony Simon with the Second Amendment is for everyone, and the diversity shoots that he does. We're we're seeing people from every walk of life becoming interested in protecting their rights and learning how to be that responsible gun owner. And so I would say that not only are we progressing, but they hate us and they continue to strive to restrict us because we are progressing at such a rate. That's a good thing. And ladies and gentlemen, let me make this very clear. A couple of the folks that Rebecca just mentioned promises me that she is plugged in. You're talking about the Pew Pew Jew, Yehuda Reamer. I know Yehuda well. I'll be seeing him in Vegas at SHOT Show. Always do every year. Tony Simon, the diversity shoots and everything else. You are definitely plugged in. So I, I also work closely with Diana Muller, founder of the D.C. Project, Women for Gun Rights, now Women for Gun Rights, et cetera. And these organizations, including One Million Moms Against Gun Control, are doing incredible work, ladies and gentlemen. You can visit them. Let me give you the actual website. It's 1MMAGC. The number one, M-M-A-G-C dot org. Join. You don't have to be a woman to join. Join the organization and help out. Rebecca, are you surprised to see, and these numbers have always fascinated me, but they haven't. But they do, but they really don't. But they kind of do. You get where I'm going with that. The demographics Mm -hmm. of new gun owners, black Americans, and women. Does that shock you? It doesn't shock me at all. Um, I, I, quite frankly, I have grown up around guns. I grew up in a hunting family and so guns were part of life. We, you know, kept them in the truck when you went into the school and things like that. I mean, I'm from, I'm from that kind of culture and really all it took to inform some of my friends and get some of my friends to go to the range with me as an adult, women who had never been around guns was just making the offer. It was just having the conversation and explaining to them that even if that's not your your interest, even if that's not what you want to do and and have have that as a pinnacle part of your life, you need to be informed on how to be around it, how to handle it, or how to see if someone else is being unsafe around you. And so it really was just the invitation. Well, I'll tell you what, you are doing God's work. Thank you so much for being here. I have thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. Rebecca Schmo, the website, ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to get more information and support her, she is doing God's work. R-E-B-E-C-C-A-S-C-H-M-O-E.com. Rebecca Schmo.com, District 59, Kansas, KQAM, Wichita's Big Talker. You got a great one there in the state of Kansas. Thank you, Rebecca. Will you promise to come back soon? Absolutely. I'm going to have to give you an update when we get this on the ballot. That's exactly what we want to talk with you about. Thank you for being here. We appreciate it very much. Wow, Greg, fantastic. Love seeing this at the state level. Good heavens. Rebecca Schmo, awesome work. When we come back, oh, Stephen Gutowski and A.W.R. Hawkins. Don't go away.
You've just filled your prescription for freedom with Mark Walters, presented by X-Insurance. X-Insurance. On the Armed American Radio Network. 